This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to uh, John chapter 14. As I said earlier, my family and I were out of town for a little bit. And uh, so I haven't preached in two weeks. And that's a dangerous thing. Because I've got two weeks of stuff stored up. I, um, I'm not real sure exactly what we want to do. What I've got in my heart to do this morning is to uh, speak on the Holy Ghost. I'm not sure, I don't have a uh, sermon title or a series title or anything like that. We'll just see where it goes. But, uh, uh, but I've really had some things uh, that the Lord's been dealing with me about for the last several weeks. About the Holy Ghost and about the fact that so many of us take Him for granted. And don't utilize the power of God that's within us. So let's start here in John chapter 14. This is the last night that Jesus is with his disciples. It was the night that he was betrayed. uh, The night of the last supper. And John gives us some information that none of the other gospel writers do as a first hand witness. Eyewitness. And this was the last of the gospel accounts. uh, The second to the last book that was written in the New Testament. And so John's looking back many years later and, and recalling. And uh, writing down by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost things that we need to know that Jesus told them, the, tw- the eleven, Judas has already gone out from the room, but uh, it told his disciples to equip them to do the work that he had for them to do after he was going to be gone. So in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 16, Jesus said about the Holy Ghost, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you for a little while. That he may abide with you forever. I like the Amplified on this because it, uh, it brings out uh, six different names or, or titles for, um, in addition to comforter. The word comforter means helper in the Greek. The Greek word is paraclete, literally. Most often translated helper. But it means several different things. And the Amplified brings it out. Uh, the Amplified brings out that it means counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. Now, folks, I know we're going over these pretty quickly, but if you took time to go through each and every one of these words and the meanings of them and uh, the definitions and so forth, you'd readily find out that's just about all the help you'd ever need in any area of life. And that's the point Jesus is trying to get across. Notice he says another comforter. And I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter. In other words, he's saying the word another is indicating he will be a comforter, a help to you, a strengthener, a standby to you in the same way that I have been for the last three years. Now, these 11 guys have been totally dependent on Jesus for the last three years of their lives. There's not been one thing that they've been responsible for apart from Him. There's not been one aspect of their life that they've operated in or, or conducted any, in any way separate from Him. So He's saying, I'll give you another comforter. In other words, I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm not going to leave you orphans. So many times people in the church world seem to have the idea that, oh, wouldn't it have been a wonderful thing to live when Jesus was here on the earth? Do you know that if you, had, if you were able to go back from where you are right now, what you have right now, and live in the days of Jesus here on the earth, you'd wish for these days? You've got more than they had. But see, we think from the natural standpoint. We think from the, the physical we think about, oh, if we saw the miracles that Jesus did. A lot of people saw the miracles that Jesus did and didn't make any difference to them. 
how do you know it would do you? A lot of people heard Jesus speak and walked away from him. How do you know you wouldn't? No, the Bible says we have a better covenant established upon better promises. You live in a better day. And Jesus told his disciples, it's better for you. It's more expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter can't come. Now I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him. But you know him. Notice this. For he dwelleth with you. And shall be in you. Now there's a question that needs to be considered here in my opinion. And that is. This last night that Jesus is spending with his disciples in the last words, literally the last few words that he's uh, sharing with them, knowing what's to come, knowing that he's going to the cross, knowing he's going to be betrayed in just a matter of a, an hour or two, a couple hours, I guess. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to shed his blood. He's going to make redemption for all of mankind. He's giving them the last instructions that he's going to give them face to face before the work of the cross. Therefore, we have to consider, at least I do, is he speaking generally or is he saying things in a specific manner? If you were going to take the last time, last opportunity that you had to give specific instructions to your loved ones before you went on to be with the Lord, would you speak in general terms or would you give specific instructions? I'd want to be as clear as I could be, wouldn't you? I therefore have to assume that Jesus is doing the same thing. And notice what he said about the Holy Ghost. Notice what he said about this comforter. He said the comforter would be with them and in them. Now again, if he's speaking generally, as much of the church world seems to think that he was, then they're thinking, well, that just means you're going to get saved and the Holy Ghost is going to come make you a new creature on the inside and uh, change you and you'll be born again and, and that'll be great. He'll be with you and he'll be in you. Kind of a general, he's going to be there. Or, Jesus is speaking specifically and he's saying, there's two works of the Holy Ghost. One is he'll be with you, meaning working with you from without and living with you from within. Which one is he talking about? Turn back with me to uh, John chapter 4. John chapter 4, Jesus says some things about the Holy Spirit to the woman at the well of Samaria. Let's start reading in verse, uh, well, let's just start in verse 3. We'll read down through and get some context here. Speaking of Jesus, it said, He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that, jo that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, notice Jesus got tired when he was here on the earth just like you do. Jesus being weird, wearied with his journey sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, that's about noon. And there came a wa woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat or food. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew... Asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, notice what he said, If you knew the gift of God, 
And, number one, the gift of God. Number two, who it is that said to thee, give me to drink, you would have asked of me, him, meaning me, and he would have given you living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? She's thinking naturally. She's thinking, you're talking about living water. You're going to give me living water. The only water around here is in the well. You don't have anything to get the water out of the well in. How are you going to do that? So you see, she, he's speaking spiritually. She's thinking naturally. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Now he's telling her the difference between the water he's talking about and what she's considering or talking about. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. In him. Shall be in him. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. I want you to notice there are two things that you need to consider, or two things we'll point out uh, to consider. And that is, he talks about the water in you, and the purpose of that water is that it brings eternal life. Turn with me over to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, we'll start reading in verse 37. In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Notice in John chapter 4, he's talking about a well of water in you, springing up into everlasting life. Now he's talking about rivers of living water. Now what's the difference in a well and a river? They're both water. What's the difference in in a well and a river? Well, a well benefits the person that owns the well, and a river benefits everybody. A river connects people. Nobody owns a river. Rivers flow from one place to another and connect people thereby. Cities are built on rivers. Why? Because there's trade, there's commerce, there's travel. It's a connecting thing here in the earth. So he said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers, not singular river, a river, rivers, plural, of living water. But this spake he of the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For that the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now notice what he said. He's talking about the Holy Ghost in connecting people. He's talking about the Holy Ghost flowing out of you. In John chapter 4, he's talking about the Holy Ghost, which is the, the, the saving agent. He is the agent of God that brings the new birth. The Bible tells, tells us we're born of the Spirit of God. So that's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit in us brings eternal life, benefits us with everlasting or eternal life. Everlasting or eternal life isn't longevity. It's talking about a quality of life. It's talking about the God kind of life. The God that's more than enough. The character and the nature of God's life. Here he's talking about the Holy Spirit being given to them that believe. So in my opinion, and I I believe I can prove it by Scripture, in my opinion he's talking about two different works. Those that believe have already received the well. Those that receive this experience of rivers of living water he's talking about something else that happened even with the disciples join mike webb and foothill family church every sunday night at 6 p.m for our weekly healing school 
healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody who was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. You're looking in the future for something to happen. You need to turn around and look behind you and what the Bible says is already happening. Because behind you is the cross and on the cross Jesus shed his blood for your sins, for your peace, literally your financial well-being and your sickness. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. John chapter 20. This tells us about the resurrection morning. First of all, I want you to notice when Mary comes to him, or comes to the sepulcher, she's looking for him. She wants to finish the burial process. She can't find him. The stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty. She can't find him. And um, Jesus saw her. She didn't know who he was. Notice in verse 15, Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She's supposing him to be the gardener, so he must have looked different than he did when he was here on the earth. She's supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. Notice she recognized him by him calling her name. His personal association with her. You know, I believe that's the way God ought to, that's the way I believe we should know God in every situation is by our personal association with him. By him knowing our name. So he said, Mary, she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Now notice what Jesus said. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. Hebrews 9.35 says, Jesus entered in once and for all into the heavenly holy of holies. Well, it says into the holy place. We like to think that there's a temple in heaven that's, that was patterned, uh, the pattern for the temple that was made here on the earth, which had a, an inner sanctum, an inner a place called the Holy of Holies. The Bible never really says that. That's one of our church traditions, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. It sounds good, and, and uh, I've heard it said before, and so I've just repeated what other people say. But really what it says is, Jesus entered in once and for all into the holy place. I don't know what the holy place is in heaven. I don't know why there would be a temple in heaven, because all of heaven is a temple. It's where God lives. So why would there need to be a separate building or a separate location to worship God when all of heaven and all of the inhabitants of heaven are worshiping God constantly anyway. So that just may be a matter of our tradition or our uh, religious thinking rather than what the Bible really says. However, what it does say in Hebrews 9.35 is that Jesus entered in once and for all into the holy place and offered his own blood before the Father. Well, apparently that hasn't happened yet because Jesus said he hadn't been to the Father. So Jesus stops by on the earth, talks to Mary... Gives her instructions to go tell the disciples. But says, look, don't touch me yet. You would contaminate me. Anything of the earth would contaminate him. So he said, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend. I'm going there. I'm going to fulfill Hebrews 
I'm going to the Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that she had spoken these things unto her. Verse 19, Then the same day, later on in that day in the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, why? For fear of the Jews. Please notice they're behind closed doors. They've got the doors closed. They've got the doors locked. They've, they've hidden themselves away. They don't want anybody to know where they are. They're trying to stay in secret because they're afraid of the same people that crucified Jesus. Please notice that. When the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said unto them, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now I've got a simple question for you. Did they get something or did they not get something? If they did not get something, then Jesus lied to them. Jesus is tricking them. Jesus says, he breathes on them. Same word, by the way, that is used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the, the Hebrew Old Testament, where it says in Genesis chapter 2 that God breathed into Adam the breath of life. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. If they did not receive something, then Jesus has deceived them. Because you, anybody, you, I, or anybody else would ex expect that for somebody to say, especially Jesus, to say that to you and take that action towards you, you would expect to get something. Once he said receive, you'd expect you're going to get something, wouldn't you? If they did not get something, then Jesus has deceived them. He said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now notice what he speaks of the Holy Ghost in connection with. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Verse 23, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Notice he speaks of the Holy Ghost, receiving the Holy Ghost in connection with the remission of sins. There's a, um, uh, one thing that the, the King James translation of the New Testament is really, really poor on is the concept of forgiveness. Because the New Testament translations over and over again speak of forgiveness of sins relative to the Christian. And it speaks of forgiveness, well, I'm sorry, it speaks of forgiveness of sins relative to salvation. And that's never the case. That's never the case. In fact, when we think of the, old te uh, the, um, uh, the promises made to us from the Old Testament through the prophets, when we think of the promises of what salvation was about, we think of forgiveness of sins. We even say to, to those that are unsaved, come give your life to Jesus and he'll forgive your sins. God doesn't forgive your sins. He remits your sins. To forgive means to cover them over. To remit means to wipe them out. Remission of sins is what happens in the new birth. Your sins are wiped away. That's why the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Here's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Their sins were forgiven year after year after year. Well, if they're just forgiven, why do they have to keep making the sacrifice each year? If the, if the sins were wiped away, then what's the additional sacrifices for? The sins weren't wiped away. You remember when Jesus was talking to uh, uh, a group of the Pharisees? He was uh, teaching in a certain place. Uh, I believe it was in his own house. And uh, there were four guys that let down a crippled man through the roof. You remember the story? 
The Bible says that when Jesus saw him coming down through the roof, it says, Luke's account says, when he saw their faith, he said, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the, 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 the Pharisees went crazy over that. They said, who is this guy? Who can forgive sins but God only? And Jesus said this. He said, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. Please notice that phrase. That you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. Do you know Jesus didn't have the power on earth to remit sins? Why? Because he hadn't shed his blood. Jesus couldn't remit sins, yours, mine, or anybody else's. But he could forgive them. He could excuse them, but he couldn't wipe them away. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. And he did. Jesus didn't have the power to remit sins there on the earth. But as soon, as soon, as soon as he presents himself in the holy place before this heavenly Father, presents his blood once and for all, makes an eternal sacrifice once and for all, immediately, same day, few hours later, he comes back. We know it hadn't happened when he talked to Mary because he said, don't touch me, I haven't been there yet. Now a couple of hours later, he shows back up to the disciples and breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Ghost in connection with the remission of sins. Now did he give them some special power to remit sins that they and only they would have? No. He's saying, here's what salvation is about. Salvation is about anybody who receives Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 12, I think it is, says, As many as received him, gave he the power to become the sons of God. As many as received him, gave he power to become the sons of God. What he's doing there is he's making them sons of God. By breathing on them, saying, Receive the Holy Ghost. Their sins become remitted. They are born again. They become righteous in the sight of God. And he says, this will work to anybody you preach about me too. He said, whosoever believes on me, whosoever receives me, you have the power to tell them the same thing I'm telling you, and that is their sins are remitted. See, folks, that's the good news. The good news is that Jesus has already done the work. One of the greatest truths of mankind, of this life here on the earth, is that you can't escape who you are. The man that's unsaved, the man or woman that's unsaved, they know there's an emptiness in them. The Bible calls it spiritual death. Spiritual death just means separation from God. What that means is God made you to fit together with Him. He made you in His image. He made you to fit together with Him. If you are by the, by the presence of sin here on the earth, if you are separated from him, then that's an emptiness. You're only half a person. The missing part, the God part that you were created to enjoy and to experience and to, to have dwelling within you, that's missing. So no matter what somebody does, again, I'm talking about the unsaved. They may get involved in charitable works, community service. They may do all kinds of good things. They may build a name for themselves through philanthropic works or whatever the case might be. They're still, in the stillness of their own heart, they know they're empty inside. They may try to distract themselves from that emptiness through any number of things. They might throw themselves into their jobs. They might take up certain hobbies or sports or activities or leisure things. They might distract themselves with, with drinking or drugs or, or whatever the case might be. The things of the earth. But in the stillness of their own heart, when they get quiet in the dead of night, 
which is why some people won't try, will try never to slow down. They'll try to keep themselves going and going and going because they don't want to get quiet. Because when they get quiet in the stillness of their own heart, they know there's an emptiness there. And no matter what good things they do, no matter what things they do in this life, they may be thought of as, the, as a great person. They may be successful. They may be rich. They may be famous. Whatever it is, when they get quiet in the stillness of their own heart, if they don't know Jesus, they know there's an emptiness there. And they can't escape that. There's nothing that you can do on your own to escape that. But thank God somebody did something for you. His name was Jesus. That's what's happening here in John chapter 20. He says to the disciples, receive the Holy Ghost. Did they get something or did they not get something? Jesus speaks of this receiving the Holy Ghost in connection with the remission of sins. If they got something, it ought to be evident, shouldn't it? I mean, we ought to see some difference or some change in them. Turn back with me to, to uh, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, it speaks of Jesus talking with the disciples. Notice in verse 49, it says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, upon you. But tarry ye in the spirit, city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. We know that's the Acts 2 experience that we'll talk about in a little bit. What I want you to see is that has not yet occurred. This is prior to the Acts 2 experience that the disciples had in the upper room most of the the church world says that the church began on the day of pentecost in acts chapter 2 this takes place before then john chapter 20 takes place almost 50 days before 47 days before the day of pentecost takes place what is that a month and a half a little over a month and a half this that we're about to read is taking place before the day of pentecost we don't know exactly when it's not the same occurrence is on uh, the, the day that he appeared in John chapter 20. But it's before the, the day of Pentecost is some, you know, to, in, in some measure, some time frame. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, verse 50, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. That's sure not the condition in John chapter 20. They're behind closed doors. They're keeping their, their meeting place secret because they're afraid of the Jews. Well, they must not be afraid of the Jews anymore because they're openly in the temple praising and blessing God. They're not hiding out anymore. And notice the thing that it says, they return with great joy. They return with great joy. It's interesting to me that the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it says the, the fruit of the Spirit is first love. We're born again by the love of God. Secondly, joy. Now, what is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit are the characteristics of God, the nature of God that take place in the born-again believer. Well, why are, how come they have joy if they're not born again? How can they have joy? How can they have boldness and no fear anymore? Because even though they've seen Jesus, I mean, let's face it, they've been walking with Jesus for three years. And they wind up being behind closed doors because they're afraid. How come they're not afraid anymore? Something's changed. Something's happened. The reason Jesus came to the earth and paid the price for sin is so that the Holy Spirit could live in you and me. His work is to recreate our spirits through the new birth and to fill us with God's divine power. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. 
Jesus said, I'll give you another comforter, the same kind of comforter that I've been to you. I'll give you another comforter. And he'll abide with you forever. He'll abide with you forever. Folks, the work of the Holy Ghost hasn't changed since Jesus sent him in Acts chapter 2. The work of the Holy Ghost hadn't changed since Jesus breathed on them in, in John chapter 20. The work of the Holy Ghost hadn't changed. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.